Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I think we're up to one million and three in the series. So if you've listened to them all, huzzah for you. I've been watching a lot of the great on Hulu and huzzah, I think is the most repeated word in the series. Very funny, very adult, don't let your kids watch it. It is July 11th and on Wednesday, Atlanta United will play at New England in Gillette Stadium in a, a huge, huge match for both teams. Atlanta United has won two consecutive games, two consecutive shutouts, allowed just one shot on goal in the past two games. They are climbing up the table and have a real chance, and don't laugh at me, to maybe put some pressure on Cincinnati if it can win these next two games at New England on Wednesday and then against Orlando on Saturday. And I say that, I mean, Cincinnati's 10 points ahead of Atlanta. It's not probable that Atlanta United can put pressure on, but Cincinnati stumbled a little bit lately. Atlanta United seems to have found a formation that works, but for right now, it's probably just concentrating on steadily moving up the table. It is two points behind New England, which is in third place. It is three points behind Nashville, which is in second place. If Atlanta United beats the Revs on Wednesday, and Nashville loses to Philadelphia, Atlanta United can move into a tie on points for second. Nashville will still have the tiebreaker, but on points they will be equal. And keep in mind, Atlanta United still has two games left against Cincinnati this season. Again, I am not saying that they are going to pass Cincinnati. I'm just saying that there is a much better probability of it now than there was two weeks ago. So you're going to hear from Gonzalo Pineda, Brad Guzan, new signing Tristan Mayumba. I'm going to answer your questions in the mailbag. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. If this is your first time listening to the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, before we get into the audio, let's just go over a few more numbers about tomorrow's game. New England at home is 7-0-3. Atlanta United on the road is 2-4-5. New England has scored 36 goals, has 27 against it. Its expected averages are 29-28. and 28. So defensively, it's doing what it should. Offensively, it's outperforming a little bit, something Atlanta United knows a lot about because it has 40 goals scored and 35 allowed to an expected goals of 30.1 and 26.1. So it's been very lucky on offense and very unlucky on defense. I need to point out that Atlanta United has just one loss in its past 10. A lot of draws in there, but some of those draws are now wins, including three in its past five. Players to watch for New England are Bobby Wood with seven goals and four assists. 
Carlos Heel with seven goals and three assists, and Gustavo Bo with four goals and three assists. If you want to see my predicted Atlanta United starting 11, I'm not sure you're going to like it, but it will be posted probably around 1.15 p.m. today. I'm just waiting on Atlanta United's injury report, which typically comes out at 1 p.m. the day before the game, before I post. But just keep in mind when you see this that the team played Saturday at Montreal, is now traveling again to New England on Wednesday, and then hosts Orlando at home on Saturday, and it's going to want a very strong lineup to make sure it increases the probability of getting three points at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. All right, let's get into the audio here. Here's Pineda talking about Yurgo Shakamaki's status. We'll see. Uh, you saw, I mean, this is, we, he's just walking out right now, so I have to see how that went. I couldn't see the entire session. He looked good. He looked pretty good. So probably tomorrow we'll uh, make another assessment, and if he's likely, probably from the bench, but uh, we have to make a decision tomorrow. I'll be stunned if he makes the trip, to be honest with you. There's no sense in having a guy that had hamstring issues travel even on a charter to i think they're going to probably fly into providence rather than boston i'm flying into providence it's a little bit easier to get to foxborough from there but here's panetta on how the team is doing physically after all these games uh, their, their response is pretty good there we have a young roster uh, pretty much we have our young roster they recover pretty fast but uh, i have to be mindful of three games in 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 one week uh two away so the travel the the heat that is is uh, now here in Atlanta, now it's summer and now it's pretty bad. So I have to be mindful of that. So I give them almost another region to pretty much everyone except for two or three guys that want to work specifically on certain uh, tactical individual things. So the group is fine. And I think we're going to have uh, a very energetic group on Wednesday. Now, as I mentioned earlier, two consecutive shutouts, two consecutive games with just one shot on goal allowed, which is a franchise first. Here's Pineda on how they keep the defense going against a very tough Revs team. Well, same, same as when we conceded six goals or we conceded four away, you know, uh, nothing is too bad in those moments. You know, there are many positives in those situations. Same now, like not everything is perfect. There are still things that we can improve. Uh, of course, the tendency of the back five and how we're defending and, you know, double people, three in the middle, in the lower block, like... Um, um, it may have a weak point at some point, so uh, we need to understand that and, and understand the roles and why uh, those weak points can happen, and so then we try to prevent that. Uh, so it's, it's just about uh, being cautious on, on the moment, yes, having confidence in our style, our game, our mentality, but not being overconfident. So that's the right balance to promote confidence, understanding the roles, understanding why we're playing in this way, and then uh, don't be like, oh yeah, maybe now I don't have to sprint back, now I don't have to run, uh, I don't have to run, I don't have to block the crosses, no. We have to continue with that, but maybe, you know, polish a couple little details and we're going to be fine. And I did just, I'm, I was kind of curious if maybe playing three at the center back, three center backs has simplified the tactics a little bit, and here's Pineda's answer. Probably, probably was confidence, uh, you know, having an extra man, as, as I told you before, mm-hmm. gives you more confidence on what you're doing, probably more confidence to the wing backs to step up and, mm-hmm. and uh, going outside in the channels and really, really affect the cross because you have an extra man in behind, right? So maybe that, but 
I told you this, like the mentality of the team is the pivotal part. Like when I see we're reviewing this morning a couple of clips and one is very good defending by the back five, by the midfielders, but then the second ball came to Thiago sprinting back and just, just chasing a six on the flank and regaining the ball and from there progressing into a counter-attack. So that is priceless. That That is not a tactic. That is uh, the heart that the players are putting on the field. Same with Miguel. So the attackers... Uh, they tend to, to take liberties at times, and they haven't. So that's part of what I'm telling you. Like, uh, that mentality is the, is the main part of the improvement, is, is that, not, not just the back five. We got a little bit of a surprise yesterday when Atlanta United made Miyumba available for interviews. He still can't work with the team until he gets his work visa. I don't know if they've got his ITC yet. That's the FIFA-mandated international transfer certificate. Um, so I still think it's going to be a couple of weeks before you see him. But here's Pineda talking about how Miyamba has looked in his individual training sessions. Yeah, we have to see him with the whole squad. Um, and, uh, and he looks good. He, looks, he seems to be a very nice guy, very approachable, very humble. Uh, uh, and uh, his English is pretty good. Um, so I think he's going to have a very, very good integration with the team. Um, so we are very, very happy on, on, on him being here and now looking forward to the next steps to, to make him available. Now, last week, Pineda talked about that Luis Abram is a player that needs some consistent starts to show what he can really do. I thought he looked really, really good the past two games. He's likely going to start again Wednesday and will likely start again on Saturday. So I wanted to follow back up and ask him how he thinks Abram has looked now that he's gotten some consistent playing time. Yes, I think uh, if someone impressed me, the last game was Abram. I think his understanding on how to absorb pressure, when when to be aggressive, when to go on the ground, when to just slow down, um, when to you know uh, step up and win the duels. The build up is very clean with him. He not just make a clearance. He just if he can connect a short pass, he do it, and from there we can have a counter or a possession sequence. So it's very technically very sound, tactically understands the situations, but. I feel like now he understands way better the MLS and how this operates, what type of number nines he's facing, what type of attacking midfielders in that pocket pockets are going to be open. And I think his understanding of the situations, especially in MLS, was way better. So, you know, again, very happy for that because that gives us now another probabilities to our back five, back four. It's just, it's just more competition because now he feels to be like, like a very good center back for us. And here's team captain Brad Guzan on what he thinks has been going well in the past two matches. When things are going good, um, it's about trying to be consistent. When things aren't going great, you're trying to tweak things. It's not, you know, it's not uh, something completely different than what we've been doing from the start of the year. Um, listen, we've been the the shape in terms of the tactics that I think has certainly played a part, um, but also just our our mentality and our ideology of, of how we want to play the game, I think, has, has been tweaked a little bit um, and certainly helped him picking up uh, two massive wins. And you heard him use the word tweak in that answer, so I kind of followed up with him on what kind of tweaks. I think when you, you look at the last two games, especially being on the road, uh, you know, with the last one, um, the, the ability to not shoot ourselves in the foot, not put ourselves in the hole. Um, and whether that's with the ball, without the ball, uh, and I'm not talking about individual mistakes. I'm, I'm listen, that, that part happens in games. I'm talking about um, 
when we're in control of things, what, what we're doing with it and, and where the next play is, where the next pass is, how do we react uh, when the ball's lost, those types of things. And then if the two things are similar, the tactics and the changed ideology. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think there's probably differences um, in terms of the tactics. Uh, like I said the other week, having the extra number back there less ground to cover in terms of center backs and guys getting stretched and our distances and whatnot uh has certainly i think played a a big part in it um but again um i i wouldn't i wouldn't put those two necessarily together and then of course inter miami is going to be introducing probably three players on sunday in a i don't know what it is about miami in introductory kind of decision making things going back to lebron james but Messi, Busquets, and Alba are likely going to be introduced on Sunday. Tata will coach his first game for Miami on Saturday. But here's Brad just talking about how it improves the league with guys like Messi coming. As a player, I don't care who they, with all due respect, I don't care who they bring in. Um, as a fan of, of the sport of soccer in this country, of course that part's exciting. That part um, is exciting for the sport to grow, for um, our country to to be able to lure players like that uh, with with that sort of um you know pedigree and, and resume that that those guys have to be able to come to major league soccer and want to part want to be a part of the sport and help the sport grow in this country um that part's exciting uh, but as a player um you know we'll prepare the same way and and look to to get after them and, and hopefully when we play them pick up pick up points obviously the league's cup um you know that would be the first one but then um uh, I think we still play them two more times after that. And here's the long-term effects. Look what David Beckham did. You know, I was in the league when David David Beckham came and and what he did for the league. And um, <clears throat> I remember the excitement in, in in the hoopla. And I was in LA, and you know, it was it was it was great as a fan. And and fully expect the same to happen when 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 those guys come. And here's Tristan Miyamba speaking very good English, much better than me attempting French on why he chose to sign with Atlanta United? Because uh, it's a big club, big club of uh, MLS. And uh, when, uh, when I speak with, with the coach, with, the, with the Carlos, uh, he, he showed me uh, more, uh, more confidence, more attention. So for me, it's easy to, 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 to make uh, the, this uh, choice. On the position he prefers to play, my preferred position, uh, I, I can like, I, I can play uh, the the all position in, in the middle on six, on eight. Uh, it's not a problem for me. When he thinks he's going to be able to play, I don't know. I don't know. If, uh, maybe maybe two weeks, maybe one week. I don't know when when I when I feel I feel good. Uh, I I come to 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 the team. So uh, now I I, I train with with the, with the fitness coach. Mm-hmm. So I don't know really uh, the the day where where when I, I come back. On the Atlanta United matches, he's watched on Apple. That's not an endorsement. Yeah, I see maybe three games. Three three games. I see the game against. Philadelphia against uh, uh, New York Red Bull mm-hmm. and uh, the last game against uh, Montreal. So, yeah, I, I see the team and we have uh, quality in the team. We have a good team. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited to, to, to be here. 
and Miyamba on what he thinks of the matches he's watched. I think um, it's a for sure is different uh, to second division, French second division. So, but it's good. It's more physical, more technical, more tactical. So, so yeah, yes, uh, I like I like uh, I like the the games, and uh, I'm very very excited to be here, and uh, I hope uh, to to join the team very soon. And if you're curious, the team he played for is Guingamp. I believe is how he, I asked him to pronounce it for us, Guingamp. It is in the western part of France, northwestern part of France, not on the coast, kind of inland. If you look at the map and look at Normandy and kind of keep going west, and you'll see the little horn that sticks out of France, it's kind of right in the middle of that horn. I looked it up yesterday. When we come back, we're going to get into the mailbag. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Now, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, my employer, has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, you can get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what is really going on. Now, we're going to start with the mailbag, 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Brett from Inman Park, friend of the podcast, friend of the hotline, calls in with this. Hey, Doug, it's Brett from Inman Park. When you've been discussing Ibarra having to go to Toronto due to roster mismanagement. You've downplayed it by saying it's a loan. We'll get him back at the end of the season. Could be as early as November. But the reason it bothers me is that after three years of sucking, we finally have a good team. We have a great striker in Yakamakis. We have the best attacking midfielder in the league in Almada. And we have the best center back in the league in Miles Robinson. I want us to win now. We have this golden opportunity, and there's no way Almada stays past January. Do you think the team is going to make transfers to win now, or are they building for next year during this summer window? So, Brett, summing up Brett's question, he wants to know if the team is trying to win now and describes the Ibarra loan as roster mismanagement, which I understand. Just, yeah, I don't know why the team signed four under-22s. It's, it's inexplainable, quite honestly. But there's a good reason that Mosquera had to be brought back. I can't go into what it was. But the only player that they could find that teams I wanted, I assume, is Abara because he'd been playing well. So is the team trying to win now? Of course they're trying to win now. There's not a player on that team that would be happy saying, no, we want to win next year. We're just treading water now. The front office is the same way. They want to win trophies now. The assertion that Almada won't be here past the winter window, I understand, but it is bizarre to me, at least, that we haven't seen a single legitimate transfer rumor 
of like an offer made to Atlanta United for Almada. I don't know why. But also keep in mind that with Messi coming here and Alba coming here and Busquets coming here, a rising tide lifts all boats. You may see more quality players saying, hey, I can get paid pretty decently. Cost of living in the United States isn't too bad. Less media pressure, more fun. And Almada may decide, you know what? This may be not so bad to be here in Major League Soccer. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But as with chasing down Cincinnati, it might be a little more probable than it was in the past. If the team weren't trying to win now, they wouldn't have signed Miyamba. I think you're going to see a couple more signings coming up very, very soon that the team's trying to strengthen the squad. Lagerway said earlier this year uh, in a one-on-one interview with me, the goal is to be consistent for four or five years, really put the team in position to win trophies every year, and then you have to kind of do a hard reset as you phase out contracts and bring in new players. So that is what the team is doing. A lot of winning is luck. It is. You have to have breaks go your way. But Atlanta United is trying to increase the probability that it's got a good enough roster that if it gets a few breaks going its way, it can win trophies. That's the point. That's what it's trying to do. On to Gregory. Thanks for all of your coverage of Atlanta United and the gentle nudging to get different player interviews to to increase our collective ability to share unique insights into the team. I appreciate that, Gregory. And everybody else does a really good job. And I think we're kind of finding a balance in the locker room to try to get as many people as we can. He wants to know about Mateus Uzatu. He's generally viewed poorly by pundits and is not a guaranteed or current starter. I think he's probably going to start tomorrow, even though I didn't put him in my predicted 11. But Atlanta just picked up his $750,000 option. Well, that was going into this season. And he has served as a captain multiple times. What are we missing? Any nuggets from Pineda, Bocanegra, or Lagerway on his value? His contract is up at the end of this year. There's, I don't think there's any more options. I think he's out of contract. Yeah, he's a hard one to read. I've, I like him as a person. There are occasions that I've enjoyed watching him as a player. I have a hard time rating that position, to be honest with you. I expect a little more offensive attack. I know I think Pineda has wanted more offensive attack from Mizetu, but it's just it doesn't seem to be his nature. He seems to be a guy that I think is better suited when Atlanta United has win or has a lead in games. Bring him in. Bring in Alonzo, control the ball, control the tempo, and see the games out. I think that is Huzetu's role and his value, not at that salary, but, I mean, who's going to turn down a higher salary than you deserve? It's just the way of the world. I'm going to mispronounce your name, and I'm sorry. Teklawold says, and if you want to send me a pronunciation guide, that would be fantastic. I'm a longtime listener, but first time sending in my question. We'll appreciate that. Thanks for all you do. Well, thanks for being a long-time listener. Do you think the defensive performance of the team without Miles in the last couple of games is making Miles lose his leverage in the contract negotiations? There are no contract negotiations. There aren't. Miles wants to go. The team has had an offer out to him for a year. The only thing that might change this is if Miles doesn't get the type of offers that I think most of us are expecting him to get from clubs either in Europe or, or Central America, wherever it is he wants to go, then he might come back to the table with Atlanta United. But Atlanta United's hands are not tied, but his current salary is pretty high. He's a TAM player, a high-level TAM player, to the point that he's almost past the number where you can't buy him down. There's a, a minimum that MLS has that if you surpass that, you can't buy a player down, and he's almost at that point. So there are no contract negotiations. This is just going to be a see where he goes type of thing. Dave says, 
Do you think we'll see Alonzo or Mosquera get significant minutes this week? I think Mosquera is probably going to start tomorrow because the guys playing as attacking midfielders uh, have just worked their buns off. He, he could also be a wing back. Uh, have uh, the, those guys have also worked their tails off, getting up and down the field, playing defense, pressuring opponents. It's part of why this win streak has happened. Uh, so yeah, I do think you'll see Mosquera. I just don't think you're going to see Alonzo start. I don't think you'll see him start this season. Maybe a League's Cup match. It's just I, I think it's just asking too much at this point. And he says, may your Carvel ice cream machine always be functional. Thank you, Dave. Lynn, friend of the podcast, says, I found your podcast during the COVID shutdown, and I've followed it ever since. Coffee sip via the podcast and Twitter. That's at Doug Robertson, AJC on Twitter. Thanks, Lynn. Looking at Atlanta United's roster, what do you consider glaring needs? Depth at winger. A, we'll see about Miyamba, but a, a more attack-minded central midfielder. I do think a Mercedes has done a fantastic job as central midfielder, but I do think they could use a little more attacking depth. We'll see what Miyamba can bring. I just don't know enough yet. They probably need another experienced left wing back after Caleb Wiley. It's it's Aiden McFadden. I don't think he's played a minute this season. Ronald Hernandez can shift over there if needed. So I guess in that way they do have depth, but he'll be more of an inverted winger. And I think Data's trying to go more with natural footed wingers and wing backs. Lynn continues, is there any way out of the under-22 issue for next season? Yes, they can trade, transfer, buy out, or loan out one of the four players. You can also buy one of them down using TAM, but it would be a lot of TAM to the point that it probably wouldn't be worth it. Thanks again for your work, and I look forward to hearing your reply. Well, thanks, Lynn. Ben says, upon Miles' return, what changes do you expect Pineda to make in the back line? Will he continue with the three CBs? If so, who does he rotate out? Well, I would assume Ronald Hernandez would drop out and Miles would come in. Or do you think he returns to the two center back pairing of JJP and Miles? No, I don't. I think this is working. After allowing 35 goals in 19 games, they've allowed none in the past two. Now, they did have some shutouts in those 19 games, but they also had some just god-awful performances. But as you heard Pineda say earlier, it's not as good as it seems now, just like it wasn't as bad as it seemed back then. Chant says, Foxborough has been a stronghold for New England. What do you think the chances are that the five stripes not only get a result, but could somehow pull off another win? Earning those three points, the team should have gotten when they played them at home. Yeah, it was a 3-3 draw. What do you think the U.S. men's national team's odds are of winning the Gold Cup? And furthermore, the possibility Miles wins it for the U.S. again this year. Thanks for all your great coverage and enjoy your coffee. So I think there's a decent chance that Atlanta United can win. If it just plays disciplined defense, it gets lots of chances on the counters. New England's going to feel pressure. It's at home. It's going to throw numbers forward, particularly if it's 0-0 getting late in the game. And Atlanta United gets still three points. So I think it's a, a decent probability. The odds of the U.S. men's national team winning the Gold Cup. Well, if it plays like it did the other night, they're not good. That was just a god-awful performance. It was just a, a team that lacked cohesiveness. It, it lacked ideas. You know, there's very few of these guys that would ever, I think, make the game day roster for the A team. Uh, Miles is one of them. And all the people complaining about the handballs in that game, Miles had two handballs. They were bizarre freak plays. It's not like he reached down and grabbed the ball like he was a five-year-old. Those things just happen. Those weren't intentional by any stretch of the imagination. And Miles winning it, he, well, they need some better set piece delivery. Julian Gressel is typically excellent at set pieces, but his set pieces were not that great the other night. 
I think even he would probably admit to that. It was just an all-around just a poor performance by the U.S. men's national team, but they won, and on they go to play a very tough Panama squad. Kevin, with the email of the week, it's a long one, so buckle in. He says, I was really impressed with the professional and mentally tough play from the players in the win over Montreal. With the end-of-game scuffle with Pineda and Lasada, it also showed Pineda had some fire that we rarely see, which I liked as long as it's not a weekly thing. He's got fire. I have heard him in the locker room when the interview room is adjacent to the locker room at away games. You can hear him in there sometimes. Yes, we have seen Pineda complain to the fourth official, but nothing like we saw in Montreal. So my question is, with you seeing the team at training and live at every game, are you seeing a change in body language and mentality with the team? Body language, no. Mentality, well, they've cut out the the silly mistakes that were killing them in the first few games. For all I know, they could still be making them when they're watching film and they're just not getting punished. But they seem to be limiting them for a, a great way, a great deal. He continues, almost an us against everything, or will we prove the doubters wrong? Yeah. Second question, if I heard you right on the past few pods and some of your articles, it seems you have some insight that maybe others don't have. I, I don't know about that. I think everyone has sourcing. So I think you said Pineda told you in confidence what caused the scuffle. He told us off the record. A few of us were in the room. It wasn't just me. I think I also heard you say on one of the pods that you had some more info on what might have caused a mutual termination of mascara. I do, but I can't share it. Do you think maybe the way you approach Q&As with management has helped develop a sense of trust and management of professional relationships? I don't know. I think all the guys that cover the team and, and women that cover the team have their sourcing and do the job the way they best see fit. I don't. I can't say mine is any better than anyone else's. I think we all do our job as professionally as we can. And uh, it's up to the other people to determine how they want to treat us. He says, maybe it goes further than what some fans are asking for with hard questions. Yeah, you know, I know how to do my job. And these people who just complain about we don't ask hard questions, but they don't give me an example of what hard questions is they want me to ask or that I'm not asking. And maybe it's just the verbiage because I do think I ask tough questions, but I'm not going to be a jerk and just say, why did you make that stupid decision? Because for all I know, there wasn't a stupid decision. I don't have access to all the information. I don't have access to all the context that players and, and coaches do. They're out there trying to win. And in that regard, you know, you need to be professional with the questions. And sometimes you're not going to get the answer you want. So you try to frame the question another way. And you just keep trying until eventually you can get some information. And sometimes it just depends upon how comfortable they are talking. It is what it is. It, you know, it can be frustrating for us too. All right, 7.30 tomorrow night at Lenny United at New England. It'll be on Apple. You can follow my coverage on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Flying into Providence tomorrow morning. Staying at the Marriott near the stadium. Flying back Thursday afternoon. We'll have a podcast Friday afternoon wrapping up New England and looking ahead to Orlando because I just don't really want to do four podcasts in one week. As always, hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see 
do and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh,